All right. What's up? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of Changing the Climate, a show where I bring on guests to talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. I'm excited to introduce my very first guest, Mr. Darian Elmendorf, founder of Peer Compass Peer Services. Now, I have to admit him to the meeting. All right. And we are live with Darian. Darian, hello. How are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? You know, not too much. Starting to think I could use a pair of headphones, but we'll get there someday. Like, like in your studio, like in your setup. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm surprised yeah. this, stuff, this stuff works. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's working. First episode, everybody cut me some slack. If the audio's messed up, if we're not exactly live, we will get there. We will get there soon. Cool. So I'm really excited. I've never done anything like this before. A little nervous, a little hyped. So yeah, I mean, I think we should just start by giving some background on like the two of us. So yeah, I've known Darian Elmendorf probably since I was about five years old, which is pretty cool. And we actually both studied entrepreneurship at separate universities. He went to University of Delaware. I went to University of Colorado Boulder. And I'll let him take it from here. All right. Well, it is my also my first time doing something like this. So nice. I'm really excited. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, I think it's a great idea. And um, I appreciate, you know, you just going for it. So my name is Darian. And like Ethan said, I also grew up in Ringwood, New Jersey from Skyline. Best part of, uh, of Ringwood. Hands down. Hands down. Hands down. Um, and whew, what could I say from here? I mean, um, you know, growing up, and this is where I'll kind of bridge things together, like later on when we kind of get deeper into conversations. But, you know, growing up, I was always one of those kids who was just feeling a little bit lost in the crowd. You know what I mean? And I didn't really know, like, what I wanted to do with my life. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. And um, for for a long time, you know, for a few years, I just, I felt really down all the time. I was, you know, feeling really hopeless at times, um, helpless at times, like depressed, anxious, uh, struggled, you know, with thoughts of suicide. Um, fast forward a couple of years, uh, when I'm in college, you know, same thing, um, studying entrepreneurship, absolutely loving it, but I'm just thinking to myself, you know, what am I going to do when it's all done? Uh, Am I going to just work at a job? You know what I mean? Am I going to hustle my whole life to just pay, like, at the end of the day, help somebody make more money and work for them and not for myself and not be happy and, you know, do what I want to do and, and make a difference? Um, so about my junior year of, of college, I got involved with a student mental health group on campus. I saw it as a great opportunity. Um, to you know, demonstrate my leadership and to bring some entrepreneurial spirit to the table. I was started by a group of my friends who you know were all really passionate kids. And um, at the end of the day, you know, I, I just really related to all of them and and you know why they were starting this group. It was it was really tragic. Uh, you know, a student by the name of, of Connor Mullen had taken his life on campus, um, and it was really just a shock to everybody. And uh, 
you know, just seeing them all rally behind this cause and, and really trying to make a difference. I got really interested. Um, I joined. What was, what was the, the name of the group? The name of the group is called uh, Friends for Friends UD. Yeah. So at the University of Delaware. Got it. Right. Right. So I joined as the events director. I said, hey, this would be really cool if we got some local artists together, raise some money at a little concert, um, you know, out on the green. Uh, and, you know, brought over like different uh, student groups that, you know, were passionate about mental health. We had like therapy dogs um, there. We had people there doing yoga, teaching yoga. We had games. So it's kind all of was all stuff. about like positivity then just in general. Right. Yeah. It was just a whole like wellness and creativity and, and arts thing going on. Um, ended up raising a lot of money for that. We, you know, donated to the counseling center. Um, and we got a lot of students that were just like really interested in what we were doing. Um, and we, we kind of skyrocketed as a group and it was really cool, made a lot of great friends, but you know, at the end of the day, the one thing that that group really did for me was it allowed me to be vulnerable with like all those struggles that I had growing up. And this so, is all while you're, you're taking classes that are teaching you how to start a business and make money as well. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And the cool thing, the cool thing about my classes is, you know, a lot of people argue you can't teach entrepreneurship. Well, you can give somebody the opportunity to go out and try it. Right. Sure. And so a lot of my classes were just like, you know, go and try something. Um, cool. Take something you're passionate about and just try to build a business model around it or try to build technology around it. Uh, that was Learn why you go. That's like the entrepreneurial motto, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that was a lot of my classes, which was, which was honestly really cool. So just to give some background. This is, this is now 2018 we're talking about. Uh, yeah, this would be early 18, 17, 18. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So I started in the spring of my junior year. And then I was on the e-board of this group throughout my senior year. Um, and and yeah, like I said, that all my teachers in my classes allowed me to, to, you know, take the work I was doing in Friends for Friends and kind of apply it to their methods, their processes around entrepreneurship, around app development, whatever the class was, um, startup, uh, you know, business model generation. And, and there was a lot of classes on, um, on just overall leadership and design thinking and creativity. So all just really cool stuff. Um, so then now nearing the end of my senior year, um, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? You know, my parents are like, why don't you have a job yet? Like, what are you going to do in the summer? This and that, blah, blah, blah. Kind of came to the realization at some point throughout my senior year that I didn't want to get a job. You know what I mean? I was, I love doing this mental health stuff. I really thought that what this club, the effect that this organization had on myself in being vulnerable about my struggles with mental health. Um, and you know, the, the impact that it had on the students that were in the group, like visible, visible impact. I'm talking, you know, students in rooms of people who they've never even met before saying, I've never said this in front of another person, but I need to get this off my chest because I'm really close to, you know, I'm really close to taking my own life. It's very serious stuff. Very powerful stuff, man. Very yeah. powerful stuff. And it was really just that, that vibe. Like we've all kind of been there. You know what I mean? We've all yeah. been through it. We understand what you're going through. You know, you're not alone. 
we're here to help you get through this. Um, Do you think that that's like one of the most was contagious. important parts? Just not feeling not alone? You, like, I'm just curious. I think, I think it is. Yeah. And isn't I'll, that kind of what the core of, of what you, you do is about is just cre creating more environments like what you're describing. No. Right. Right. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll discuss a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, oh, I just wanted to backtrack. I mean, it's, it's hard. What well, your, what your work is very, very serious. But I can't help but like uh, pick up on that comment you said about how you kind of just decided you didn't want to get a job senior year. When I remember when me and you were 17 in Spanish class or whatever, talking with Dan Key about how we're going to take over the entire world starting a, a three-way a three business. Yeah, I do so remember it, that. It's been brewing for years. You mean you literally studied entrepreneurship. I mean, you, you were... You're learning to get, you know, that's what college really is, is getting to know yourself. You're taking the time to know yourself. And I, yeah, I just kind of really believe that the person, if, if you're an entrepreneur, you should make a business that's kind of representative of you. And that's kind of like what I love about your business. Cause I, when, why I know you'll, you'll be successful because you're so passionate about the topic. Anyway, sorry. I just no, I no, want to get, I, get my funny. words out in the wavelength, but we, we're getting to the business. It's funny because I always uh, I always think back to I know exactly we were in um who was it Mrs. Ferguson's class in like something biology like or something and we were just like all in the back talking about how we're all gonna be millionaires like selling hemp oh, products. I was I was ecstatic and, because like everything we were saying I could just see occurring in the future and obviously now Dan Dan is a musician you have your own business I have my own business I mean I wouldn't I won't rule it out in the future. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to get out of college. We're going to get Dan and Darian going. We're going to move out to Colorado and we're going to make a, make a machine, you know? Um, it's just yeah, funny I think, I think it really planted a seed for all of us. Of course. All, you know, of kind course, of doing our own thing, huge. which is like, really Dan cool. loves music. So he's doing right. his music. It makes him happy. And that makes sense. And you're going to keep telling us about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so where was I? So towards the end of senior year, um, you know, I decided I, and don't get me wrong. I have, I have. I work part-time and I'll, I'll get into that. Like I do have jobs. Yeah. Um, but you know, I didn't want like a full-time job at a business firm. Um, I kind of wanted to see what I could do, do my own thing. So sure. I applied to a uh, three month business accelerator through the Horn entrepreneurship program. Can you, can you give a little background? I know what accelerator is, but can you just say, Right. So essentially it's a, it's a pretty intense 12 week program where you're in a cohort, you're in like a, group yeah. almost like a class Shout uh, out were, accelerators in boulder where i interned i think there was um 10 of us in the cohort and you know you could be by yourself you could be with the team um and you essentially had to pick a problem find a problem um because all you know all great companies all great businesses ventures everything starts with a problem um and and go through the process i mean the the instructor we have we had, uh, his name is Vince DeFelice. He's so absolutely To be clear, this is, this is after your courses are over. You elected to take this after graduating. Right. So I graduated June 1st. So literally. Uh, 2018, right? Uh, 19. So literally about a year ago okay. today. Or not today, but. but um, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. June 1st. Like okay, I remember that. Almost a full year ago. And um, the program started June 3rd. So I had one day off. And then it was right back into it. And it was, I mean, it was. It was a meritocracy, which means you mm -hmm. get out what you put in. Um, but, you know, we were pushed. So you literally have to go out and talk to people who have the problem that you think you've identified 
and figure out how to make money off of it. That's right. That's literally like if I could break it down into its simplest form, it was you pick a problem, you go out, you, you validate that problem, you try to figure out a solution, how you're going to solve that problem, and then how do you make money doing it? Did you, if you can't do those have, three things, then... Did, sorry, did you kind of have the, the problem in your head already, though? It sounds like I had started this. Well, yeah. So, so like I, I never, said, you know, the, the impact of, of that person-to-person interaction, right? That person who's been there um, working with that other person who's struggling was my, my concept that I was looking to test. I was like, what does this mean? Um, the hardest part for me in those 12 weeks was how does it make money? Um, so, you know, for a while I was, I was getting shot down. They're like, it doesn't matter if it, you know, if it heals people, figure out what the business model is or else like if you're a nonprofit, you still need a business model. If you're mm-hmm. for profit, you need a business, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how your company is structured, what your company does. You need a way to bring money in the company or you're not going to be able to do anything. Um, so that was my biggest struggle for a while, but yeah, it was a really awesome experience, really intense. I mean, you know, really got me exposed to working 12 hour days, staying up until four in the morning and waking up at six to go present my progress and then get completely shot down by, uh, you know, local business people. I mean, they brought in a lot of, um, you know, influential people from the area to just donate their times. People have, you know, who have done it before, who have started successful companies um, in various industries, people who are, you know, involved in just a bunch of different things and, and influential, um, you know, within kind of the business and, and, and um, entrepreneurship, I guess. Spear. Uh, Spear, yeah, here in, in Delaware. And surprisingly, there's a lot because Delaware is a very great Wait, place so to start a business. You were doing this, how, how many times did you get shot down like was it like you had like practice pitches or was it like how did it work so we had uh every week we had to do a practice pitch um and it was essentially like your 10 slide investor pitch yeah um so we had to do once one of those every week on thursdays in front of a review board um and then on tuesdays we had people come in but we didn't have to give them a pitch we just sat down and picked their brain um, so it was kind of like, you know, I mean, they're like, just go talk to them. You know, they didn't yeah. really give us, they didn't really give us much, um, much direction there. You just had to make the best of it. And if you weren't there, then you missed out. And, you know, do you want to sure. get into explaining like what your idea was that you ended up sticking with? Yeah. So, so throughout that, um, so really my idea was like, how do I connect people virtually to provide this like level of support that I mentioned earlier. This, the, 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 the the close connection that you feel from someone having a similar situation to you. Right. You can refer to it as lived experience with mental health, substance use, just lived experience. Lived experience. Right. right. I just want to get some terminology going so I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of jargon that I'll have to explain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. But so what I, what I found, the brain, it's complex stuff. So like, it's, it's really hard to, to understand, you know, you're talking about people's vast different life experiences and trying to, trying to find a way to help someone who's been scarred. I mean, there's, there's so many, there's psychiatrists, there's therapy, there's all sorts of different things. And then at the end of the day, there, there's you, you know, not, not you, right. but you. And yeah, it just, 
Yeah, so me, as you just mentioned, um, what it's called and what I found through this process is that there's a professional um, out there in the, in the health and social services industry called a peer recovery support specialist. And peer recovery support specialist. Correct. And what these peer specialists do is they use their lived experience with mental health and substance use to is there advocate. Yes. Or is it just experience? Yes. There's training, um, there's certifications, it's all legit. Um, so they use this lived experience to empower patients, to advocate for patients and patients' rights, and to really guide them and navigate them through different resources throughout this journey of recovery. Um, so when I discovered that these peers existed, I was like, I need to become that. And I need to fully understand that and I need to take that and I need to innovate that and Why? scale that because that was Why do you need to be become that? What, what about you makes you want to do that? I know you gave a bit of background. I'm just curious, like what's, what's the real, the heart of that? I think it's, it's a mix of, you know, me receiving it to some degree through this, um, you know, this organization that I talk about. Uh, you know, they, like when I was going through stuff, I definitely have friends who, you know, I still talk to today who were like peers, you know what I mean? They just sat down and they listened to me. They didn't judge me. They didn't tell me I should go see somebody or take medication or this or that, or they say, Oh, you're depressed. You know, you're weak, this, whatever. They just listened to me and they understood and they say, I get it. I've been through there. And if it's okay with you, I would like to share my story. Um, that's the very basic so it's, of, it's of really hard support. for someone who's never been involved with i don't know what you call it, an experience like that to really get what it's like can you try and put into words i know it's a hard task like the the emotion or like like what the the strong connection is that you felt when you i think it's just like because when i remember when i was um you know going through some really difficult times having thoughts of suicide and just really like you know there, there's no controlling it it's not like I want to think about dying. Um, it's, you know, there were times where I would just wake up and it would be the first thing that I would think about just wow. involuntarily. Um, but the worst part was that, you know, I was just so afraid that if I had told anybody, um, they were going to think of me differently, you know, because uh, I, I just going through my head, I was like, you know, Hey, I came from a great family. I have a great group of friends. Like, yeah. I really had nothing to complain about. So, you know, why do my problems matter? Um, and, and if I, you know, talk about them, what's going to happen to me? What are people going to think about me? What are my parents going to think about me? Um, you know, am I going to be put on medication? Am I going to be labeled this is as a, this, 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 this gets to a huge problem that, that I've noticed, like, and I want to talk about on the show a lot, which is just this, like, the lack of, of dialogue and, like, people just <laughs> keeping secrets from, from others and getting angry and, and talking behind people's backs. I know humans are humans. They're going to be, they're going to be flawed, but it's just like, man. I mean, I, and I really thought, I really thought that like my problems were my problems and no one would ever be able to relate to relate to them. You know, I'm sure and a lot of people feel, feel the same way. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's really why we all bonded so well in this, in this uh, student group, friends of friends is because we all kind of felt. Is that. it nationwide? No. So it's only at UD. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, so so essentially, you know, that's those are what the peers are. And and the reason why I was like, I need to become a peer specialist is because I knew this was how I took that original thought, that original concept, and made it repeatable, scalable, and actually, you know, a service that that brings in revenue. Um, I'm, I'm kind of missing exactly how, how that how that would work. So um, it's a it's a billable service. There's billable services. So just as you go to you know your therapist and your therapist bills your insurance company x yeah. amount of dollars for one you know one unit of service, which could mean like an hour of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, or it could be something much smaller, like, oh, they gave you this test and they have a certain billing code for this test. Um, peer support services are billable. Is, so, is it like as a group or as an agent? Sorry, I like. And, I mean, there's all different types of. of so you've obviously pitched this like for. dozens of times. Do you, would you be willing to do it again right now? To give a pitch? Not necessarily. It doesn't have to be a hard pitch, but like I can give, I can give a quick elevator pitch. Yeah, exactly. So That's I was, what I'm I was for. I was sort of getting to there. Um, what is? Yeah, sorry. But um, so yeah, so the reason why I wanted to become a certified peer is because uh, I knew that I had to become the subject matter expert, and I knew that I'd be good at it because, to some extent, I did it before, um, right. and I just absolutely loved the idea, and I think that it was, um, you know, I was I was really during this time looking around for solutions like already existing solutions that were serving college students and not a lot of good ones were really working. But what I did see was working was that like when students are talking to other students about it, they get each other. Right. But when students are talking to, you know, older generations hmm. who don't have that lived experience, it was a little bit harder for them. Right. Cause, cause you know, I know I personally felt this. Um, I, I was opposed to therapy because I, I would have already, you know, do you in my have head, like, I was like, this do you have like hard data to support that as well? Like, uh, like how many like peer meetings have there been on the, the campus of UD? Like how old um, is the organization? Well, for students, for students, there's not a lot of hard data yeah. um, on peer support. It's something that, you know, we're, we're hoping that we, we can even get some data. Um, but uh, there's tons of data on you know how peer support has helped various different populations in various different settings achieve. Not, outcomes, so not just students, not just students, not just students. No, right. I mean all, yeah. all ages, all types of disability. Um, you know, there's I've seen peer programs for first responders. I've seen peer programs. Is for it kind of like AA? CEOs, sort of. Um, yeah. I think it actually, you know, it. Um, very much took after AA and took after those models. Yeah. Uh, but it came out of, you know, it came out of reform and, and, and the social justice movement for the lack of treatment, um, the lack of proper treatment of people who were in inpatient facilities and, um, you know, wrongfully hospitalized for their mental health and kept there against their will. Um, you know, there's a lot of history behind it, which we don't have to get into. Right. But, um, but yeah, so, so, so just to kind of give you a little pitch. Mm -hmm. um, so fast forward, you know, to now. Uh, so at Compass Peer Services, we help health systems. And I'll explain what a health system is. because mm -hmm. Again, a lot of jargon. So we help health systems offer digital peer recovery support. Digital peer recovery support. 
Yes. Like a Zoom call with a friend, with a friendly person who's been in a similar situation to yourself. Right. Right. So and then the you idea, can see the telehealth on the phone as well, which I'm sure you'll get into. The idea is that we want to partner with, by health systems, I mean, existing institutions. So if it's a federal health system, it could be the VA, it could be the Department of Defense or military. Uh, if it's a local or state health system, it could be like public health. Um, it, uh, for example, the Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health is under Delaware Health and Social Services, which is where I work part-time. That would be an example of a public health system. So people who are enrolled with Medicaid or seeking local providers in their state who don't have private insurance, they go through the public health system. Yes. Um, and private health systems can be, um, for example, universities, could be private practice, um, community behavioral health, community mental health centers. Uh, so the goal is that we help these health systems, we help these institutions offer digital peer support. So we take our hybrid model of meeting with a person and leveraging technology and we plug it directly into what they already have and wrap it around their current, whatever, if they're offering treatment, if they're already offering peer support, if they're offering, basically we take a look at what they're doing and we help make it better by offering these digital recovery support services. And the goal so of these it, services- are, are you getting paid by the health provider? Or are you getting paid by the patient? We, well, it depends. Um, both is the answer. Uh, so, because it's a hybrid model, right? So, so let's make it easy. Let's say that I've been having, I've been feeling pretty down lately, not good on life. And I really could like, I'm going to the doctor because I'm so anxious and I don't know what to do and I don't want to take any medication. What, and then your service is offered. I'm in Delaware. How, how would something like this work? How would so I? If, you, if you're, for example, like a student at a university, yeah. You have health insurance. You have a yeah. Well, what if I'm not a student? What if I'm I'm me and I'm working on in the grind and life's really getting to me, man. And I want to talk to someone and I have this public health, so it's it's available. I'm saying like how how would it work? Right. Uh, public health is in like so if you have Medicaid, so I have Medicaid. I have Medicaid. Right. Right. Yeah. So so Medicaid. So we would essentially provide you the service through um, you, you through technology. Through, through Compass or through your health? Through okay, right, right, right. Because Medicaid Compass. is the provider. And they would, it would be like on your website, I, I would go. Right, but we would partner with, so if you went to, you know, ABC. Um, hospital or whatever. Resources, yeah, hospital. Um, and they were partnered with us. They would outsource all of the peer support to us. So we would work with you yeah. to basically assess your needs address what are known as social determinants of health. So peer support differs from traditional treatment because traditional treatment follows what's known as the medical or the clinical clinical model, which is a patient is treated at a site. It could be virtually, it could be at a practice um, for illness, right? So there's pathology, there's symptomology that they're looking for. They're looking for symptoms. They're looking for, traces of you know depression traces of 
schizophrenia, traces of even physical illnesses, but you get it, right? So yeah. that's the clinical model. Mm-hmm. The person-centered model, they call it person-centered, they call yes. it the recovery model, is you're meeting the person where they're at. So there are these things called social determinants of health, which are basically underlying social factors that can contribute to health outcomes. So I'll give you an example. Imagine being homeless. You have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to sleep. It's really, really hard to live like that. And, you know, a lot of people who are homeless, they become depressed. Mm -hmm. um, They become anxious. They develop mental illness. um, And they also could potentially develop drug problems. Um, Another example of social determinant of, of health is you know, your, your social environment, right? All your friends smoke, you're probably going to pick it up too. And if Not you me. do smoke, you know, that's something that I made it out of Ringwood without <laughs> smoking a single cigarette. One of the only people in my entire friend circle, but you get it right. So, so, so would a homeless person be, they would then admit themselves to the hospital, say I'm having feelings of suicide and you would then connect them with someone who's already been homeless and gotten out or is currently homeless or am I on the right track? Well, if they're going right to a hospital, then they'll probably have their own protocols at the hospital to, to treat them. You know what I mean? But well, but traditionally, well like, so I'll, I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. So, so right now with my job in the state, I'm doing what are known as wellness checks as a peer. So there are um, a couple hundred homeless individuals and uh, staying at hotels in the area. One of them, the hotel that I'm working with is right down the street, the Wilmington Sheridan. Um, So these individuals who were recently homeless, very much at risk of of contracting COVID-19 because they have nowhere to stay, nowhere to self-isolate. So, but they were all, you know, to some degree involved with public health system. So we got them placed into hotels and I do calls for them to basically check and see how they're doing um, and you know, kind of help them with their transition out of the Sheraton into a more um, temporary so this is, supportive. This is, your, supportive. this is your job. This is my, like yeah, my job. About, not your, yeah, your company. I work, I work yeah. part-time for that. But if, if you can think about it, it's essentially kind of the same thing, right? So the peers, in the person-centered model, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not calling them. I'm not telling them that they need to go see this provider. I'm not telling them that they have this problem, that there's this, that, or the other. I'm listening to their, I'm listening to them talk. You know, some of them just vent to me and they say like, thank you for not calling me and telling me that I need to speak to this person. And thanks for just listening. And it was great talking to you. And you can hear them just feeling better. After I think that it's, call. it's one of the most important things in life. And it's literally what we're doing right now. I mean, me and you live on, on separate sides of the country. I mean, we hardly get to talk, but see, I'm not, I'm not, a, I mean, I use, I'm big, I have social media, I use social media. I'm really much, much bigger on like actual conversations with people. Cause I think that in a way, like it probably is very clear that it's the best therapy you know, everyone, you know, typically group discussion classes were at least for me were a lot more interesting, a lot more um, therapeutic because every everyone's just out here in this world, you know, alone. And it, it's great to if someone is just going to sit down 
and listen to you and you can actually tell when they then they respond and, and say things like as oh wow he actually heard what i said he's thinking through what i'm saying everyone wants to feel like they have a place in the world and i see like it's it's so easy in our society to think that you don't because there's so many of us and there are always so many people telling you what to do and how you should do and judging the way you do it and yeah i mean it, i could see how it would be great to just talk i mean i i talk to people well, before before the, the lockdown i would talk to new people every day and it's my favorite part of the job some people want nothing to do with me other people want to talk for two hours you know i don't know if they have depression or thoughts of suicide or if they love their life or hate it but we get to talk and mm -hmm. like what 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 it's just it's a simple easy therapy in life it's like one of the first things humans learn to do to, to get on in life so it's, it's funny, you know, cause, um, I absolutely love what I do and I talk about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, as you can tell, I'm talking about it a lot right now, Yeah, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I have yeah, a, that's I, have why a you're here. <laughs> I have a strange way of pulling it out of other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and getting them to open up to me that I don't even, I don't even mean to do it. You know what I mean? I just talk about what I do and I get really passionate and really into it. And yeah. then I end up having, you know, a, a one hour, two hour conversation about, all of this stuff that we're talking about yeah, now, that, you know, that's why I told their, you to, their struggles. That's, and that's why I told you to push that next call back. Cause we're, we're 33 minutes in and we're just, we're just getting started here. We're just scraping the surface. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, so, so essentially, example. yeah. Um, so we're, we're talking about the, uh, the recovery model, right? Yeah. So it, it targets the whole person, right? Whole health, beyond just the mental health, which is um, so important and relevant right now. Right. Because, because it's all, just, it's all connected, right? Your financial, course, your your immune financial system, health yes. is connected to your mental health, your environment. That's a health. little bit. It's not, that's complicated. Well, More. if you have no money, you're going to be pretty upset about it. Yeah. I, can, I can promise hey, you that. I'm if doing all right. If you can't but... <laughs> afford food, if you can't afford food, if right, you can't right, right. afford a place, to, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're in debt, debt is a huge thing that just kind of lingers in the back of your mind and causes a lot of people Scary. a lot of harm. Um, so, so the peers, they address all of these different dimensions of wellness. Uh, there's eight of them to there's address the person as a whole. Including you. Eight dimensions of wellness. So there's like, there's physical, mental, um, I can't list all the eight, environmental, oh. financial. Okay. So those are just some examples. Um, and they, they kind of tie along with these social determinants of health, um, you know, includes education, access to intelligence. Did um, you take any courses in health or psychology? No, I learned all of this stuff. At the just, group? I mean, just throughout the past year. Um, yeah. Ever since, you know, stumbling upon peer support. I'm actually in training right now. Um, this is my second training. I already took training, but I'm taking training again. Weird. It was supposed to be Not live. Weird. It was supposed to be in person. The first one I did was online. Um, it was a, a company in New York has this online training. And then the second one was supposed to be like the state training so I can get certified in the state of Delaware. Uh, but they had to jump to virtual now. Um, and I've, you know, just been, you don't have to be certified to work as a peer. You just have to have some basic training, basic experience. So I've been essentially working as a peer. Uh, and, and also trying to, you know, build together, put together this company. Um, so yeah, the, the goal with peer support, and this is almost kind of 
industry-wide is uh, what's known as behavioral health integration. So not specifically just peer support, but behavioral health integration is integrating these whole health, this like whole health approach essentially to different, to different degrees all eight, into what into is it called? All eight, what dimensions of wellness, eight dimensions of wellness. Is there any, can there's I like, tons, can, tons I, can of I pull models. it up on my screen? Sure. Like, yeah. What they are. Yeah. You can, right, you I hope, can I hope nothing, nothing weird comes on. All right. Let's see. There's, there's my music, everyone. And the live stream. Yeah, there you are. All right. Eight, eight dimensions, dimensions of wellness. Right. Shout out Ecosia. Everyone should be using it. They plant trees with the ads that the money they make from ads on searching stuff. So let's see where I'm so at. So go, go to images. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at 273 uh, clicks or whatever, which is like 10 trees or something or three trees, which is cool. Bear with us on the, oh, here we go. How about this? This one looks simple. There we go. Office of Indiana State University. So eight dimensions of wellness. You got your physical wellness, your emotional wellness, your intellectual wellness, financial wellness, environmental wellness, social, spiritual, and occupational. What's like the, the background to this theory? Do you know like who like coined this, this stuff? Oh, um, no, I don't. Not important. I'm just, <laughs> just curious if it's like, I, I, I think the, I, I can't remember if it was in the training, um, who actually developed this model. So, um, occupational but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about all this stuff with someone you can connect on a spiritual and social level. You could potentially have the same job, right? So, same so physical, emotional or intellectual state. Same. So think about state. Think about a college student at the center of all that, right? They yeah. don't have a job lined up. Um, they've been drinking beer, right? Treating their body like Probably crap. every day, yeah. Uh, they have a, maybe they broke up with their girlfriend. That's a social thing. Maybe they're, uh, they failed uh, a class and have to retake a class. That's an intellectual, you, you know, you can consider that an intellectual thing. So, so all of that stuff together can lead to depression or, or just really high amounts of stress, which has been shown across multiple studies to induce anxiety and depression, especially in young people. Can you, can you define anxiety for me? Cause I really like don't understand what it is and I feel like I get like anxiety. Yeah. Um, anxiety, I mean, it, there's different levels, there's different levels. types. Um, but it's, can there be good anxiety? Anxiety is, uh, yeah, there can be good anxiety. Um, to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I know Logic has a song where he passes out on the way to see Star Wars and wakes up in a hospital bed and says that was anxiety. So it seems like there's a huge spectrum to it. Yeah, so essentially anxiety is like the fear of things that you can't control um, <sighs> or, can't, or can't directly control. I see, I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So you get anxious about your life because it's out of your control. Mm -hmm. And that can lead to spiral or the, thoughts or even the perception of lack of control. Um, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like you're not do, in control of your own something. life. Right. It's like, I could do something about this, but I don't know where to start or, or, you know, where to go. Um, it's so, yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting the way people work. I know, I know I can think one thing one day and then I can think that way 
forever. But other times I'll be so focused on, on one thing. And then like after a few weeks of, of getting information, I'm like, maybe this, this other way of thinking make, makes more sense. It's funny how, how much time can have an effect on the way you think about things. You could be certain of, of one thing one day and totally fickle and change your mind the other. And I think it's almost human nature to be like that, especially for a lot, a lot of people. And that can lead you to a bunch of consequences that could be harmful or maybe helpful if you find your path eventually. But yeah, I mean, it could be physically harmful. I mean, stress releases, stress yeah. chemicals and, and, you know, uh, I forget what it's called cortisol and, uh, I forget what the other one's called, but I, anxiety is the most common one. I mean, I think there's yeah. the, the statistic is like 60 or 65% of adults, um, so, have some form of anxiety, so anxiety because, is fear driven. Uh, because like, I feel not like, like fear, not like fear so. in the sense of like, I'm afraid it's just sort of, um, I feel like I have anxiety that. right now, like nervousness, like, oh, my first podcast, we're live, we're trying to do a great job, we're trying to do it well. And I, and like, I feel, I, what I think anxiety is, is like, ugh, like, un, like unrest. And it can be other, up to, to crazy other levels. I know I have a friend who, who got really, really anxious about the virus before it even was in the news, you know, like, and have, and I feel like that, and it can go, it can drive you mad, anxiety. Mm -hmm. I feel like anxiety's, a, a feeling is it not i don't really know what it is i would say so i mean there's definitely you know there's definitely times where you know and i agree with you like sometimes i i have to get on a call or, or do something that i've never done before like get on a podcast and is this, this is your first feel, one right uh, it is yeah yeah everyone is. cut cut us some slack we're, we're doing well here we're <laughs> we're laying it on the line we're and this we, is a really a little, serious topic to, to start with so we have some anxiety yeah. um yeah <laughs> yeah it really it really can be um it can be just just this it could be like this is our first time doing it we're a little bit nervous yeah um or it could be something that's like you know very very overwhelming like i have four exams due tomorrow and you know my something happened at home and it's just really consuming like your energy your mental energy and you just feel overwhelmed to the point where you can't even study you can't focus you know it affects your breathing you just feel like you have a weight on your chest um you know i'm sure like a lot of people can relate to times where they just felt overwhelmed i mean that feeling of like I'm overwhelmed. I have so much going on. I don't know what to do. That's, that's anxiety. Um, and, and, you know, in many cases, so it, it's, it's a very common thing for people to experience. It doesn't mean it, it has to be diagnosed as anxiety. You know what I mean? If it's, if it's chronic, um, if it's happening all the time, if it's happening because of things that, you know, you normally can just, sort of shrug off and, and not really worry about that much, then yeah, I would, I would recommend, you know, talking to somebody about it, but you know, everybody at some point in their life has, has experienced some form of anxiety, some form of like, I think, I, you I know, think that's, I think that's definitely Oh crap. True. Oh shit. What am I going to do? You know? Yeah. So I was just looking up the, 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 the countries in the world by suicide rate, uh, Russia, number three, that's interesting. Lithuania number four. Um, anyways, so the U S is down at number 34. So I'm, I'm just curious about 
like the, the demand for your service. And I really want to get into more of like the, the business aspect and what you've kind of been doing day to day for the last year. So people can really understand why there's a need for, for a service like this. So we talked about the, the whole, what was it? The, the eight uh, divisions or whatever of, of wellness and how we, we do have a culture that is just down to drug people like all the time. Like we have, but whether people want to admit it or not, we have a very drug centric culture. And I know, you know, me and you probably were, were more of more like the hippier kids in our high school, but this whole like idea of like a circle of, of health and like having all your levels of wellness be aligned rather than just like going to extremes. Like if you're a, if you're depressed, just take a pill that will make you happy all the time and, and that will work. Like, I don't, I know we don't have like studies that we can pull up, but we have, I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of evidence to support that a more holistic approach will work. Sure. It's harder than, than just buying a drug, like talking it out, but like, like kind of what I believe, like there's no limit to the power of communication between people. That's why I'm doing this podcast. Giving people a voice is just so important because it, it makes them feel like they're worth something, like they're human. And everyone deserves to at least feel, you know, once in a while, give people a chance to feel like they're worth something. Anyways, uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm just curious. I, mean, about, I, yeah. I completely agree with that last statement. I mean, um, you know, my, my vision statement for Compass is that we want to really liberate people from feelings and thoughts of hopelessness and helplessness and yeah. give them control, keyword control in here. over over their recovery journey. Because if you think about it, and I love making this analogy because I think it perfectly kind of um, helps you understand how we should be addressing mental illness. You break your arm, you go to the doctor, you get a cast, and you get told, you know, expect to feel better in three to four weeks. This is and so, it's pretty it's much, so important. It's pretty much you know, every time in some extreme cases, maybe, you know, there needs to be surgery or whatever, but that's the process you go through. Mental health and substance use disorders are not the same at all. So recovery in those, you know, two domains or across behavioral health in general uh, has been something that has been redefined throughout recent history. Um, and there's a really great article a really great resource from SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, basically the um, federal administration for substance abuse and mental health, uh, called the Working Definition of Recovery. So everybody's different. Everybody goes through their own different struggle. And it's up to the individual to really take control and define what recovery looks like for them. So traditionally, people thought, okay, well, recovery from alcoholism is being, um, you know, clean and sober, but for how long? You know, what's the threshold? How do you? So this is that? this is the idea that everyone's everyone's health, recovery is health, different. Everyone's medicine is different because the problem is so subjective. It's in their head. So the solution is is essentially going to come from inside. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Right. So that's why the peers are so important because really at the end of the day, what they do is they, they empower that patient, right? Yes. They give them the permission. They give them the, you know, the control and the guidance and the support and the advocacy 
to go out and define what recovery looks like for them and get access to those resources, right? So if you don't want to go to therapy, you don't have to go to therapy. You know, that's your choice. You have the right as a patient to refuse treatment, to refuse um, medication, uh, because it's your choice. It's your health. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, especially, you know, in, in recent times, a lot of people were being institutionalized for very minor things and they had no say, right? They had no rights. They had no one advocating for them. They weren't allowed to be let out. Um, and a lot of them knew like, Hey, I would be much better off if I could be with my family, with my friends and maybe try meditation instead of so, being locked up in here and, and being, you know, given medication. Um, can we circle back a little bit? Sure. So what I'm, I'm thinking is this service, was it like it, how well did it work for you? Well enough for you to want to sell it to everyone think that it's like godsend. I'm just, can we, are you down to talk a bit about your personal yeah. experience with, with what happened with everything? Like how yeah, you, so, you think you've reached a, a transition point now that you're working so hard, you're, you know, you're doing your thing. I'm just curious, like how, how it became what you want to do with your life. I mean, I'm not trying to pigeonhole you that you're going to do this company for, be with this company for 30 years, but you want to get this going and spread this to more people. So I'm kind of curious what, 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 what profound, can you like tell us about the profound experience that you had with peer services? Yeah. And yeah, definitely. And you know, it wasn't really, uh, you know, we were just a bunch of college kids talking about Thanks for doing this, man. You know I know it's I mean? super personal, but this is... No, it's great. fine. Listen, yeah. I talk about this stuff all the time. I bet you and, do, man. And you do. really where, where I was going with this is that my ability to be vulnerable about, you know, how I'm feeling and what I'm going through and what I went through, uh, it really changed my life a lot. Um, just being comfortable so talking about this stuff and not feeling any judgment and not feeling, you know, like anybody's going to think of me differently. Um, you know, understanding now that I'm not alone in the, and having these thoughts and, you know, it's, it's not like they're just gone and, you know, I don't ever feel down or anything, but I know that other people do too and it's okay. And they're out there and I can talk to them. And is it really a lot about not, not feeling judged or is it about judging yourself in a more positive light? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, everyone's different, right? This is just my story. Um, yeah. You know, but for me, it was like, I just remember sitting with a, a group of kids and, and um, I think we were planning one of the events and we just stopped working and started talking about our experiences and our stories. And, and, you know, I was a little bit hesitant. I was a little bit shy to kind of open up about some of the, you know, discussions that we were having but, um, and this was completely un like we didn't plan for this to happen or anything. Um, but just hearing other people be so open and be so vulnerable, I was like, I feel comfortable around these people. I can get this off my chest, right? Let them know how I felt and, and just getting it off my chest was huge. And, um, it just made me feel so much better. And I was like, wow, people understand, you know what I mean? And, Do you think it might be different when you know you're, you're paying for this service? Well, if you're covered that, with that person was your friend, right? You guys were in the middle of doing something and you stepped right. aside and got into right. this awesome deep chat, which is one of the, my favorite things to do in life as well. But 
I'm just, yeah, uh, sorry. I'm, I really want to like try and relate it to your, your company as much. As no, possible. no, it's fine. And I mean, the goal is, you know, for most people, we don't want it to be out of pocket. So, gotcha. you know, if you go to a physical, maybe you pay a copay. So it's for disenfranchised people is, is kind of more your, your, not always, address. not no. always. Okay. I so mean, if, if you're covered with insurance, our goal is that you'll be eligible for services. And there are a lot of models out there that don't charge people. Um, for peer support they just like have the groups. suicide hotline for example it's exactly pretty- yeah, yeah yeah i mean that's that's not you know it, it's not peer support but it, it is still it's very similar it's it's advocacy yeah. it's support um whether or not that's a certified peer specialist on the other line doesn't matter right because you don't need to be an expert to just sit down with somebody and listen to them and relate to them which is why i think it's so beautiful it's like yeah. all of these all of these people especially with um so I'm like, I can't help but think of like, like an agent. Cause I'm a, I'm a realtor. I'm just thinking of like an agent who like helps people or is it not really like that? Is it like volunteers or like, I'm just trying to figure out like how the whole like financial system works and how you get people in, in a realistic way to, to get these services. It depends on the model, but our model, what we're looking to do is we essentially, um, we become like a, I use this analogy, right? So, so you think about you order a product from a company, right? And you're having a problem with it and you call them up. Selfie stick. And yeah, you order that selfie stick and you call the company that sold you that selfie stick. You call their support hotline and you say, Hey, my selfie stick uh, came broken or whatever. That person you're calling is a support person who more than likely is contracted like outsourced essentially. So we're looking to bring that same concept and provide health support to these pre-existing health systems. Right. Um, and what we do is in order to get paid for these services is we have a contract with whoever that provider is. Right. So if it's a veteran service organization, then the uh, VA is the payer, right? Because the VA covers people who get services at, veteran service organizations. If it's a student, then it's the student insurance companies. So for example, Delaware is with Aetna. So if we have a contract with the University of Delaware and Aetna, then we say, okay, we have the capacity to serve um, X amount of students and we get, essentially it would be like, I mean, I'm just making up numbers here, Um, but it would be approximately 250 to $500 per student per week for whatever, you know, whatever level of service that we, that we provide, it usually be like two to three um, units or hours or check-ins per week um, for that, for that rate per student. So if we get a contract with them for a thousand students, then, I mean, I can't do the math off the top of my head, but that's essentially how it works, right? So we're able to bill the private insurance company, um, if they have the services authorized. So it gets really, it gets really, you know, specific to the state, specific to the provider. Um, but we're able to bill for those services and then we pay the peer specialists and an hourly wage. Um, an so hourly wage. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. And there's, we, eight, and we, there's we how many the peers, service. how many peers are there at compass? Um, well, we're, we're not there yet. We're okay. still working on that. Yeah. Uh, it's funny yeah. you mentioned Aetna. I actually like 
So they're, they're, they're like whatever headquarters I think is in Hartford. And I actually did a jewelry sale there just about a year ago, which is funny to, to see like here I'm now I'm on a podcast and you're talking about like them providing health insurance. Interesting. You're not there yet. So are you like, are you talking? So, so where, where are you at then? Exactly. Uh, today's May 28th, 2020. Obviously, I'm imagining things have been a little weird these last few months, especially with reaching out to new people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, so our, you know, our goal is not to be the only ones doing this. Yeah. Um, we share this problem with a lot of different organizations that are looking to do something about it. Right. Yeah, sure. So as, uh, one of the big things I studied in college was social entrepreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you put aside your own ego, your own, you know, try not to be the only one, the one that holds all the equity, the only company doing this, cornering the market, and actually partner with other organizations to solve the problem, right? Because the goal social is to solve the problem. The goal of social entrepreneurship is to solve the damn problem, right? Yeah. But you have to do it in a way that makes money. So realistically, you know, we don't want, I don't want Compass to step on people's toes because we're trying to do the same thing, right? So I'm going through after partnerships right now. So currently right now, May 28th, I am um, speaking to an organization down in South Carolina, a veteran service organization that I'm hoping to pilot with. So they already do peer support. They already have group programs, already offering group support for veterans. Um, and, you know, I, I got uh, connected to their, their, president and chairman through uh, my COO. He lives down in, um, in South Carolina. And, um, and yeah, they had this huge problem because, you know, when, when COVID-19 started, they weren't able to, to have their group sessions anymore. And they said these were really working and people really benefited from these. And we really want to make these better, right? Make these more accessible um, and make them more organized. And we came in and we said, we have the technology to do so. Um, so that's one example of, Hey, we can come in and you guys already are offering peer support. Let us, you know, give you access to our technology. We'll figure out the can you, details. Um, can you explain what telehealth is to me? Yeah. So telehealth is essentially, you know, digital healthcare services and there's all different types of definitions, just telemedicine, telehealth, telepsychiatry, right. but, um, do you guys example, use if, if you were, no, no. So one of my partners has his own platform. Cool. Um, and it's, it's really, I mean, it goes beyond, you know, the capabilities of zoom. It's, it's made specifically for providers for mental health, uh, and substance use disorder. Yeah. Um, so, but it, you know, it would essentially be if, uh, it would obviously have more tools on the back end. Uh, and the front end, patient facing and provider facing. Um, but essentially, you know, if, if right now you were talking to me and I was your doctor, mm -hmm. uh, I would able I would be able to essentially treat you or or support you through this channel, through this virtual channel. Yeah. And um, and bill for it. God, this must have blown up in the last couple of months for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. You think yep. you think the trend will will continue? Or do you think people will, will, will be going back to see their physicians in person just as much as before? It almost makes sense. Like if I could just pay like $25 to talk to my doctor for five minutes, like 
I don't know if that's how it works, but God, I'd, I'd like to do that. <laughs> and it makes a lot of sense for the providers too. Cause you know, if you're, for example, if you're a therapist and you're going in, opening up the office, right? Spending a couple hours of your time to open up the office. We're paying rent to, um, to have the office as well. Paying rent to have the office, um, you know, paying all these other things, utilities while you're in the office for two patients. Um, so, sorry, what, what, what are the advanced capabilities that your, your, tele, your t- technology has over, over Zoom specifically when it comes to providing like support? Um, well, it's, it's the whole, so it's not just the, the virtual communication. We're okay. trying to pull together, integrate all these different technologies, right? So there's okay. conversational technology, which is essentially AI, natural language processing, um, it's, Whoa, right. <laughs> you're, this is like your world right now. We just slow down. You're talking about artificial intelligence for mental health. So what, what does that even, what would that even mean? It's a, it's a chat bot, a chat so, bot for someone who's depressed for, I mean, you, you, you can use it for a number of things. You can use it to administer assessments. You can use it to provide people more information and incredible. navigate them to the right provider. Right. So well, it's like those personality tests online you answer a bunch of questions and all of a sudden it knows like who you are what you're dealing with what your dreams are and that and that's like on another level if it's actually like doing computations and putting like creating an algorithm of my mental health state that is and it's it's an capturing, incredible idea it's, it's, it's what capturing it's capturing data which is which is, a really which is cool invaluable thing. for for right. improving anything i mean my whole business is based on collecting data looking back at it and saying hmm that worked hmm that didn't work. I'll do more of the thing that did work. And then, wow. And then, yeah, I mean, you could talk, (laughs) that's crazy. I'm thinking of like an AI peer, like someone who it's like a virtual person that is suited for your needs. Am I, am I like, am I out, am I outside the realm of, no, you're not wrong. I mean, we call it, we call them virtual navigators. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Zoom doesn't, Zoom doesn't have that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's the there's the chatbots, uh-huh. there's um, the telehealth, so the virtual communication. Right, this, yeah. There's the um, the EMR piece. So EMR is electronic medical records. Essentially, every doctor. Wow, well, um, if I could see mine, I, mean, I don't even know where they are. <laughs> yeah, essentially every doctor has some form of EMR. It's where they type in, you know, this is, are you know, do they yeah, smoke? I could have had chicken no? pox when I was two, and no? I wouldn't even know. Right. It's where they kind of capture all this data for the interactions. Yeah, that they use that to bill and ours. prove that they said, um, it is yours. It is. I know. I know. We all that data, you can, you can go and you can go and your, and you can request it from your doctor and they'll give your it doctor. to you. What if you had like four different doctors? You have to individually request from all of them. Yeah. So yeah, that's thing. another like, problem. I lived, I lived I'm, in I'm getting to that. I'm I've lived in that. Europe. I've lived in Australia. I, my head exploded when I was in Australia. I got my brain scan. That shit. Yeah. That's like, that's out there. So there's the EMR, and now that you mentioned that, there's uh, what I would call care coordination, um, just to keep it simple, which is essentially, okay, so you're recovering from, you know, whatever, severe mental illness, and you have multiple providers, right? You have your peer, you have your provider, you have your dentist, you have your um, primary care. Uh, You got your mom. You're going and seeing all of these different providers, but they're not talking to each other. They're talking to you, and you're talking to them. Mm-hmm. on multiple occasions saying the mm-hmm. same thing. So the care coordination is where we, where we essentially take that whole, and this is where it gets really cool. It we take that whole excited. journey, take that whole journey of recovery 
and we literally map it out on one single dashboard. So you can see we as in compass, we as in yeah, compass and the whole treatment team. So well, you're the one putting the pieces together for them. It sounds like right, right. Yeah. So but, this is this is a totally different dimension than just the talking and providing someone to talk. You're 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 talking about something quite extensive. I'm saying now really you're really starting to get into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so say you know you met with your peer for 15 minutes on Friday and yeah. this is what you talked about, right? So your dentist can see that. Everybody in your treatment network can wow. see that and it's recorded and it's captured. Um, so whether you meet with your peer and you set a goal, um, you know, I'm going to do accountability. I'm going to go to bed early or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we're, we're addressing just multiple dimensions of, of wellness and, uh, and everything. Um, you set a goal with them or maybe you meet with your, your provider and, you know, this happened with your interaction with your provider. It's all recorded. And uh, you, as the patient, have access to that, and you can pull that right from the beautiful, right from the platform, and take it wherever you want, right? So it's your information. If you move um, to a new country, you have do all we, that information. Do we not have stuff like this? Like, if someone is like schizophrenic or something, like is there is I'm sure like is, it's it's probably noted in their their health records. So how how is this is different to just like health records in general? Um, well, it's, it's basically health informatics. So it's just information and, and there's a lot of different companies that are doing this, um, you know, helping patients with access to their data. And, and this is moving, so outside my realm that data of expertise. Yeah. It gets, it gets really deep. Yeah. It's really deep. Um, yeah. but essentially, yeah. And then the last piece, which is actually the first piece in all of this is the community. Um, so really, you know, bringing people together in, in a space where they can talk to each other. Um, they can engage with each other. They can engage with content, right? Evidence-based content. So content that's backed by scientists, that's, you know, effective. It's not just somebody getting in front of a camera and, um, you know, voicing their opinion and putting it in front of a lot of different people. Um, there's actually studies behind some of this content. Um, and it's really a, a space for people to engage with each other, people to engage with, you know, their peers um, and access, consume content. And that's kind of like the, the foundation of everything. Um, it's that community. It's, 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 it's being in that group of other people with shared experiences and all of those other things, the telehealth, um, it all kind of stacks on top of that, um, essentially. And, and I mean, right now where we're at is we have all of those different pieces. We're working on pulling it all together. Um, but obviously, you know, we got to start somewhere. So we're, we're trying to start with that community. We're trying to start, test this proof of concept and see, can we get, um, you know, students on this platform to engage with each other and to when you say about students, support. is it just university students or could it be high school elementary school age uh i you don't want to go is there any way to, to like get to people while they're young and still developing even more so and kind of just give them a give them a place to, to talk if they feel right so i think for i think for us for liability reasons um it would, it would probably older. be yeah it'd probably be 18 and older i haven't really you know looked too far into um much younger demographic, which is why I'm always saying college students, because it's 18 to 
18 to 24, I guess. But isn't it interesting? I feel like you're most moldable when you're young and you have the least amount of freedom of choice to, to pick your own stuff when you're under 18 everything gets decided by someone else for you it almost seems like that could contribute a lot to depression i personally have never felt depressed at all but i've certainly been furious with anger when other people try to make decisions for me or like when i was herded through i mean whatever i can get into a huge segue but just It would seem it would seem like um, this would be so pivotal for like the teen years as well. Yeah, and I, I mean they have peer programs for you know for youth. Um, we want ones that people. can really be extremely right. effective. Right. I I like to think of it as you know when when picking... this is a rampant problem, is it not? Let's see what this is. One thirteen point seven. Is that? I think I think I think suicide is is the second leading cause of death for ages um, I think fifteen to twenty four or thirteen to twenty four something like that. So it's a pretty big problem for for yeah. Young, so there's one point three one point four million suicide deaths in the U S. in two thousand and fourteen. So or two thousand sixteen. So two thousand sixteen heart disease deaths. USA. Let's see. Uh, top 10 leading causes of death in the US 2017. Heart disease is the leading cause. Let's see how many people. 74% of US deaths. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Heart disease, number one. 600, yeah, 647,000. So suicide in 2016 was one point. That's insane. Is that is that right? Or there's a lot. I mean, it's not just young people. Um, you got to think about it. You know, it's, in the U.S., it's, it's, no, uh, no, it's people this... people of all ages, people of all backgrounds. It really doesn't discriminate. That would make suiciding suicide a bigger cause of death than heart disease. Is there any way we could, do you do you know if that's right or not? Uh, well, I th- I think if if you're talking about all ages, I think yes. heart disease still wins. Well, according to this, um, it's only 647,000. This is Medical News Today's article. 12 leading causes of death. I'm not sure. I mean, you can, yeah. you can get so lost in the statistics. I know. This know, is it's, like, it's, it's like you want to have like a little notebook or something. Heart disease, cancer, accidents, chronic respiratory disease, stroke. It seems to me like suicide kills more people than any of these diseases. I don't want to be wrong, but from what I'm seeing right now, oh, whatever. No, it's number 10. Oh, what? So that's total suicides then? What is that on Wikipedia? I believe so. I think the CDC has the best information. They probably do. Okay, so it's it's number 10. It's preventable, you would think. More common among men. Hmm. Very much more common among men. So it's number 10. There's... 44,000. So it's nowhere near as bad as like other diseases, which unfortunately in this world, because or not whatever this country, because you know, you're kind of like competing because if there's more people that are, have to be treated by another disease, that, that's, that's where like the money is going to go. So you have like a tough battle here to try and get market share in this whole health 
phase, this whole whatever, co- whatever community or business. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on how you how you approach it. You know, I mean, I because I, think of um, I think really like if you're if you're looking at like a market opportunity perspective, you would want to talk about money, right? Health spending. Um, well, I think if you're trying to run a business that's going to be profitable and not a not for profit. I think, unfortunately, you have to think about money. It's there. I mean, it, it's got to be the, the, especially when you're just starting, it's got to be the, the primary is this, it doesn't, or it's more not money, but, but value just in general. And that sometimes can be expressed in dollar signs. Right. And I think it, it goes beyond, you know, it goes beyond how much money is spent. Uh, I saw some, and I mean, it, I don't, we just want the yeah, services no. to be available I don't to people. Know the, not now. I don't know the full statistic, but I read somewhere that like depression is one of the leading causes of lack of productivity, right? So that's that's money being lost. Um, that's you know efficiency sure. that's not happening because people in the workforce uh, are struggling with depression. Um, so it, it's you know there's so many different ways that you can try and quantify this, but at the end of the day, it's a big problem. Do you right? so, let's let's try and transition a little bit do you, do you have any ideas like i want to i want to give you a chance to kind of express your your free thoughts so not non-business maybe do you have any idea why like depression and suicide is, is so rampant in our society this is not a question that has like i, I don't think a definitive right answer and i'm just curious I what think, your thoughts are on it yeah i mean i think that the reason why it's gotten um, I think people our age, it's, it's, it's the worst it's possibly ever been. And I know people tend to point to like social media as a huge factor. I'm just curious what you think. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I don't think it's social media. I think it's how to people, point the finger it's, at one thing. It's, it's partly how you use social media that could contribute to, you know, depression, anxiety. But I really think it's, you think about it, like we live in a world now where everything that we could ever want or everything we can ever want to know is, is instant, right? Instant yeah, gratification is what they call it. So we are so used to, as a generation, as a society, instant gratification. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with chronic stress, when you're dealing mm-hmm. with chronic persisting issues, time. and there's no relief, and there's no like, you know, you can't just buy something that makes it better. Well, right? That's why you drug, that's what, what we talked about in the beginning, drug, drug usage even if it's of antidepressants that are prescribed is, is so high probably because people are like, Oh, we just put a bandaid on it. You just buy a exactly. bandaid from the store exactly. and, and that, that should work. But when it comes to mental health, it's, it's you, man, that's it. Like you're, you're the, you're the project and you know, it's like building anything. It takes time. You put work in. Right. And I think, you know, with, with young people, I truly think that after a while it, they, they, you know, it just kind of, there's no relief. There's nothing I can do. Um, and I've heard this the from, only answer, from friends, you know, and I've, I've always tried to, to help people as best I can. Cause I'm so just my, the way my brain's wired. I'm just not wired for depression at all. Call me a, an egomaniac or a narcissist or whatever, whatever you will. I'm happy. I've always been happy with myself. I've made the mistakes. I've felt down. I felt sad. I wish I did this. I wish I did that. But I've never once in my life felt like I hate myself. This is horrible. Like, I, there's no way out. I've always been like, oh, 
man, I hope this, this is over soon. You know, ne- never like, like I'm done. Like I just, just like, I've never, it, it's never occurred to me. And I, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with people who have suffered with depression and just thoughts of, of just disdain for their own existence. And it's, it's so foreign to someone like me. I almost always feel like, sure, I, I help by being a friend, but I don't think my advice helps at all with, with recovery because I just don't get it. And that's what's so cool about, about these peers is the idea is that they do get it and they've made progress and you can make progress too. And that's mm-hmm. why you're here. So let's keep it going. And we're here for you. I'm like, am I getting it kind of or no? Yeah. You're that's that you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they are yeah. literally a role model for recovery. They, yeah. they not only listen, but they understand and they use their story to show the individual, show the client, like, you know, this is what recovery could look like for you. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I went through this. I mean, I've, I've met with people that I've worked with who were literally, you know, they had nothing. They were on the streets. They had wow. a garbage bag to their name. They were drinking every day. Um, and these are people teaching me now. These are people who are showing me how to be a better peer and showing me That's how amazing. to better advocate. Um, and they were in, you know, such, these such terrible, terrible life situations, but even though their situation was different from mine, I was still able to relate to them to some degree. And you know those are I mean? the stories I you, you want to hear. Sense of, right, hope, right. A sense of hope. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's what it is. I mean, peer specialists are literally Selling catalyst, are catalyst for hope and recovery. Hope it's, is such an abstract concept, yet so powerful. Because if you have it, the, the possibilities are endless, really. And mm-hmm. if you don't, it's a spiral to in to nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I really so, think that like, if you can contribute, you know, if you can contribute uh, stress, anxiety, depression, thoughts of suicide, I'm yeah. um, to one, to one word, it, it's hopelessness. You know what I mean? It's hopelessness. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think the reason why a lot of people don't see, you know, the relief they want is because they this don't so have that hope. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that oh. was one thing. Like when, when I, up into the point where I started uh, engaging with these students um, in friends or friends in the student group, I started to feel that hope. I started to feel like, you know, whoa, like I could, you know, really find genuine happiness and I can, you know, I can live with this and I can be vulnerable about this. um, And I can find, you know, the things that, that make me passionate and make me want to choose life instead of the opposite. It was really hope. And, and once you have hope, you start to get so many other things that, you know, you identify that you need throughout that, again, process of recovery. That's so interesting. I mean, what I'm picking up from everything you're saying is it's very non-motivated by, by financial gain for you. You're, you're very invested in, in doing something. This is why I really wanted to bring you on this show. You're very in, invested in doing something that's going to create a net good for society we're gonna change the climate um yeah uh that's so uh, in it's uh, like we don't want to put sorry i've got all all these thoughts running through my head first podcast i'm just thinking of like andrew yang talking about like not measuring the country by like gdp but instead creating some sort of new measurement because like 
like you like you were getting at like people with mental health problems of course they're going to be less productive workers society is going to be less productive it's like people people want quantification of how things are going to improve and it's hard with something like mental health but then so i've got all these thoughts about what you've been saying and then it just gets me really excited the idea that how scalable what you're talking about truly is when you start to put technology into it and scalable in the sense that it's not about making money it's about creating value for these people who feel like they have no value at all so right. you're 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 igniting a flame and it, and it can spread and then these people who would have been depressed are now have this have something that can quantifiably get them out of their rut is is the hope at least and i just think just think about with the the ai just talking about this thinking about this 10 years down the line if they actually have a program that can know them like a machine who knows them this could be around the world and we could really we could if you use this program you have a 46.78 percent chance less of of killing yourself or something you know you know what i mean Mm -hmm. And if, and you know, if you think back to the social determinants of health, um, and all of these things like cultural influences, you know, race, uh, ethnicity, um, you know, family history, whatever you want to measure, right? Um, the cool stuff with the technology is that we can measure it. We can understand who this person is, just like a, you know, a big company would use all this marketing data to know how to sell you stuff we can capture that same data um, through, you know, all these, I won't get into the fancy marketing stuff, but digital marketing is a very, very powerful tool. And we're trying to employ that through a lot of this technology to really make these better informed peer to peer yeah. connections. Right. So yeah, I don't new, know. I don't know if anyone's watching Darian, throw up your, uh, what, what's your Instagram. What's like, speaking of networking, what's your Instagram? I don't know. I mean, what, let's, let's see. Can I even see if people are watching live stream? Um, let's see. No data. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. What, what's your Instagram handle for the business? Uh, it's, uh, at compass. Actually, I think I can, PS360. I can go on Instagram. Can I just so if anyone's watching, I can yeah, see. pull it up. Share Follow screen. Us. Share screen. All right. Here we go. Not now. Oh God, someone's personal stuff is gonna come up. Someone else's page. Let's go in the search bar. All right, um, compass, system overload. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound good for my uh, garage band. I have to use the Zoom audio. Here we go. Compass, PS, why is it like dot, dot, dot? Compass, PS, 360 on Instagram. So today yep, you guys us. have a quote from Gandhi one day ago. Um, thank you for giving us an amazing hashtag mental health aware month. You all have been our inspiration and hope our content has been inspiring education, possibly influencing you all one form or another. We're here for you. All right, here we go. Gandhi. He's a, he's quite the famous guy. We are shaped by our thoughts. We become what we think when the mind is pure Joy follows like a shadow that never leaves. Interesting. I definitely agree with the very first part. I think your entire existence in this world 
comes from your, your, the way you choose to perceive things or the way you perceive things in general. We become what we think is so true. So if, if you in your mind right now think you're going to reach thousands or even millions of people who were like you and you can see it in your head and you believe it and you're willing to put in the work to do it, it's going to happen. So that's just one, that's just one example of something like that. I think that's yeah, it's, cool. it's perspective. Um, Perspective's huge. You guys post stuff like this all the time, right? And, the, and these are these, so there's you, you look, right. you look great. So, man. yeah. Um, so, so the goal is to, are these like the to, peers? Uh, these are people on my team and just, some Oh, of my I can't friends. hear you. Okay. Let me, let me stop the, the thing. All right. Uh, you go ahead again. Can, is it working? Can yeah, it was just, it was because I was off zoom. So yeah, those were, those were, um, uh, some some of uh people on the team and also just you know people in my network some of my friends uh that were in friends for friends who i just said hey you know we're trying to we really wanted to keep our content you know i know we talked about a lot of really like technical stuff um but we want our content to just be relatable you know what i mean like we yeah. want to show people that um recovery is real you know and it can happen and it's different for everybody um, and that vulnerability is power. You know what I mean? Everybody struggles with something that's okay. And it's okay to go struggle with something and, and, um, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Uh, and we wanted to use, you know, just people in the community, um, and share their stories, real people, right? Just real okay. students. Just right. like this me. is like, what your business is. It is real people. It's about yeah. real... when you boil it down, it's, a, it's about real people just being relatable and having a story to tell and, and using that story to, you know, inspire hope. Uh, so that was kind of the goal of, of, um, of our content so far. I mean, we have some other things that we're like planning, like we want to do some video content. Uh, I've thought about, you know, doing sort of like, um, my own type of podcast where, you know, I'm just kind of having these discussions about mental health with people and kind of sharing these stories. What kind of people um, were you thinking? Uh, I mean, like people who are all types of people involved with, with mental health, people who have experienced it personally, people who are subject matter experts, um, you know, people from the clinical side of things, uh, people who are, you know, mental health like advocates or influencers. Um, yeah, still, I mean, still working on it. It's just kind of an yeah. idea, but. Well, here's but, a little experience and then shout out to um, Business Talks podcast hosted by uh, inbound web development, new podcast coming out soon, hosted by our friend Bailey Canning. I'm sure you'll be hopping on there soon. So you have some more practice with, uh, the whole podcast thing. I think it's, it's cool. We emphasizing discussion over like the visuals. Cause like everyone wants to see like eye drawing or like they, they want eye drawing headlines, but like this, this podcast, like we've talked, it's been like two hours and 20 minutes already. I think my garage band app is overloaded from audio. Like, and I feel like I've learned so much just from talking to you for two hours. And then like, this is going to be archived forever. This is never going to go away. This conversation. That's like, so, you know, me, I, I love making videos and looking back yeah, at like, the old yeah. videos. This is, I'm just, just taking it all in, man. And I'm also curious if, and Hey man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to come back. And, and yeah. And, I mean, it seems like we, we've, we've got a, a ways to go with 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 figuring out how this is all going to work but the the idea is there it's tough and and I and I really want to talk a lot about enlightened self-interest and the ideas the idea of shifting the business world towards companies that provide 
real stakeholder value, like more than just bottom line profit, which I think inevitably leads to more financial gain as well. Like in my introductory episode, I talked about Amazon providing so much value and, and then people were criticizing the, the leader of, of the company. But I mean, you, you can't just measure the dollar sign, you know, you really need to me- like oh. the dollar sign is meant to measure what the company puts out, but you really need to measure so many factors. I mean, like I got my, my moisturizing facial wash in two days, man, like my skin's going to be so clear. Like, <laughs> it's I'm happy. It makes me happy. Like, I you know, what, what you're saying, what you're saying makes me think back to the summer when, you know, I thought I had this great idea that really would, would get to the root of this student, um, you know, mental health crisis. And all I was hearing was, you know, how does it make money? Well, what's the business model? How does it make money? And for a while I was like, I don't know yet, but in the back of my head, you know, the thing that kept me going, um, the thing that really kept me really, really stubborn on this vision and not, you know, there's a need because there's a need, right? Because I figured that if I could, if I could solve this problem or at least, you know, make a significant enough dent, Uh um, and provide value, as you said, I'll figure that part out. I'll figure you know, that part out. And it's out. funny. And you're talking about kind of building a tech company in a way. It seems like all, a lot of the new businesses are tech companies. And the big, like arguably one of the biggest, most successful groundbreaking technology companies, which is an essential service at life now is Facebook. And he just like, he knew he was going to make a lot of money, but he just didn't worry about that in the beginning. I mean, I, maybe he did, maybe I don't know the story correctly, but it's, it seems like, again, I think Spotify w- was losing money two years ago when I was in Australia, three years ago, four years ago. I, Jesus, I don't know how long ago it was. Um, Spotify was, was still losing money, but, but the need was still there. So it's like, once you capitalize on the, on that need, the, the possibilities are endless. And I think, if you can really quantify the value that you're offering, which I think it's easy to see it's one person who's still alive versus who isn't. I mean, we just prioritized keeping people alive over the whole global civilization in the last few months. We pe- people really value other people's lives. So I think that's, that's a huge competitive advantage you may have. I don't know if that's the right terminology for this situation, but um, yeah, like, it's important issues need to be solved and that's how we progress and move forward. Right. And, and this and is, this is, I mean, this is a whole nother argument we can have because you know, in, yeah. in, some of my, in some of my classes we were learning about what good social entrepreneurship looks like uh-huh. and, and what not so good social entrepreneurship looks like. Um, and by not so good, I mean, you know, and I, I don't want to get, you know, too far deep in it, any names or anything, but, um, people with a lot of money think that they can solve a problem by donating a lot of money to that problem. But yep. in reality, the probably do, the problem doesn't need money, right? The problem needs like a complete restructuring. Like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but, um, like shoes, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, so this, I is an, wanna... this is an interesting segue that we, that we might yeah, have to so, go off so, of because hold on, because the way I don't know if anyone's whatever people when people are watching this I'm Ethan Shapiro the climate change realtor 50% of my profits are donated to fight climate change so you kind of just threw a jab at at my business right now so I'm interested in in talking about this a bit more because I don't think I'm personally qualified to go out and use my skill set to to 
pre- to prevent climate disaster. But I do believe I'm very well equipped to sell real estate and generate a lot of income from that. Enough income, much more than I will need to live off of. So it well, makes. Well, here's no- the thing, and, yeah. and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. So giving money is a bad thing. Giving money isn't a bad thing. Um, yeah, just, sure. Just make sure you're giving it to somebody who knows what they're doing. Well, I somebody think a, who. Yeah, I think a huge part of this this podcast is going to be talking to people who I think know where the money will go better than me. Some a lot of people in Boulder spend their career working to, to combat climate change. I've talked to people at the door who are climate scientists, who are engineers, who are teachers, who are people who are very dedicated to this this topic. And um, I'm really interested in learning. And I, I think as far as your skill set goes, you're very passionate about this. I, I was very passionate about business and making money and making profit. But when I looked like deeper into myself, I realized that wasn't going to give me the, the true satisfaction that I'm looking for out of life. If I'm just, oh, I've got all this money, like the only really fun thing to do with it is spend it. And I'm not like a bougie, go buy a, a, a Lexus or whatever kind of guy. Like I want to make good for the world. And most importantly, I want to make sure there is a world to have good in. So I would agree. Yeah. I, I so, mean, I mean, climate change is one thing that, you know, if, if I had more time, I would, I would love to explore it. We got to do your passion. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe sometime down the road. Uh, I, I think it is a huge problem and I really respect um, what you're doing and how you're well, cheers, you know, taking that taking that socially conscious approach to it's fun it's um, fun something that's novel like like real estate you know yeah right um, it, and it's good and I agree like you're you're doing this because at the end of the day it makes you feel better that you have that um, you know that that value add uh, I just wouldn't I wouldn't be able to work as hard just for myself I'm just not it's just not how I'm I'm wired. I can work really hard but I need some kind of external stimulation. I need to be realizing that the work I'm doing today like when I was hitting the streets earlier for the first time in January, what's going to keep me going, getting up and going knocking on more doors every day? Sure, I need to survive and make money, but I've never been worried about that. If I didn't want it, if I was so worried about that, I would just get a job and get paid. But what what kept me going in the beginning is this idea I'm like it's me out here, man. Like I'm I'm the I'm the guy that's trying to to save the world and if if you fail the world gets destroyed. I like that's how I like to motivate myself. I'm kind of like crazy, I guess, like that. I like to get into the extremes of life, I suppose. But it really makes me more motivated because I got to work twice as hard and my my life will have so much more impact, you know? So I I think the point is the, the whole the the thing about not, just donating money is no big deal. It's just because my, my skill set though is is in sales. Like I'm maybe maybe my skill set's podcasting. We'll find out. But my skill set is is in sales, and that's what I was going to do. I knew I would be able to make the most impact by by doing that. So it may to make the most impact at least it just it just made more sense to donate my quantifiable value rather than give it out in a different way and try and learn all these things when I'm already educated in business. Right. But, and, and yeah, and I I think, you know, donating it to the right cause is the right move, but going back to that example. So uh, a company like Tom shoes, you know, donating shoes. I've heard this. um, Yeah. yeah, To donating shoes to, you know, uh, wherever poor countries, poor neighborhoods, um, you know, oftentimes, 
they don't need shoes. They have all these extra shoes. Everybody has shoes, but it's, also, there's you know, the, it's still a poor country. It's, it's kind of like, I would compare it to like your, like the, the climate change uh, industries version of greenwashing. You know what I mean? Like we say we're sustainable. Define greenwashing. So greenwashing is, oh man, you know what greenwashing? Greenwashing is basically making your product or making your company, your service uh, look sustainable so that people buy into it more when in reality it's not. Clean coal, clean coal, um, coal everyone. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's multiple examples. I mean, Google, Google greenwashing and, and there's, there's way different examples of, you know, if, um, like there's for example, uh, one, one example is the, is the boxed water stuff. It's like water is better out of a box. I mean, that box isn't really recyclable. So, yeah, you cut back on plastic, but you're still, it's greenwashing. It's like you, you can't really recycle that box. Um, okay, and that I got, part, I got, you know I got what I mean? greenwashing, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's a, a, an example of, of greenwashing. It's kind of saying, you know, you're sustainable um, and that you're socially conscious, when in reality you might be a little bit, but... Is it really enough to, you know what I mean? You're kind of like hiding. It's, it's, it's a yeah, little shady. Yeah. It's a little shady, honestly. Well, yeah, there's definitely this movement towards socially responsible businesses. And I'm going to get into this a lot on this show. But you got to be careful in both ways. Not to over believe what you're told, but at the same time, give credit where credit's due. Like, right. And another example is like uh, with food, there's, there's certified organic, right? Which is, oh, this which is, is a mess. legit. And then there's all natural. Okay. All natural. Is, 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 hold on. Is certified organic legit? Because I had heard that there's no hard, fast, defined term for the word organic. Uh, I mean, I'd not like your area think, of expertise. I'd, I'd like to get it. Let's so. get it up. Let's get it up. <laughs> I would like this to This is how we so. got to do it. You know, um, okay, I think there is failure. I think there's some degree of, of what certification. Shout out Ecosia always. Um, organic food is produced by methods that comply with the standards of organic farming. Standards vary worldwide, but organic farming features practices that cycle resources, promote ecological balance, and conserve biodiversity. See. Um, is organic have a hard definition? Because I had heard that like you could just do like it doesn't necessarily mean it's healthier. I think it just means it was farmed to what would consider what would be considered this the uh, the standard. You know. Yeah. What the USDA organic label means? All right, us usda.gov. Uh, da, 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 da. When it comes to processed foods, none of it's grown hand using genetic, genetic, no genetically modified. So that's a long thing, right? So, that, but that's basically what I meant by certified organic. Like the USDA is going to that, um, you know, that farm and checking and seeing what they're doing, right? And if the, what they're doing meets their standards, then they can certify as organic. But if you're a farm and you're producing okay, something yeah. and you want to say all natural. You can say all natural. I'm misinformed. What does that really mean? It's I'm your- obviously misinformed because there is a hard, fast definition for organic, and it's certifiable. I'm I'm dumb. So we'll, this this will be another trend of this show, and hopefully I'll get smarter. But you're right. All all natural is greenwashing. 
basis, right? Essentially, yeah. Yes, I get it. And where, where were you going with this? Though? Um, I mean, that's that's where I was going. It's it's you know it, you you're trying so to solve we, a problem. We started talking so where about I was, this, where I was going business. is yeah, where yeah. I was going is that if like people try to say they're solving a problem so that they can say that they're solving a problem so that more people look at them and they say, Oh, he's giving back, you know, they're giving back. They're socially conscious when really they're not digging deep, deep, deep into the root of that problem. Like I personally think that you shouldn't solve a problem unless either you yourself have had that problem or you've talked to multiple. And I mean a lot of people who have that problem and you do your best. You do absolutely everything that you can to experience that problem. Don't go to another city. Don't go to another country and think that you can just show up and solve all their problems until you've lived in their shit. You've experienced their problem and you know what that problem is, or you talk to enough of them where you understand that problem so well that you can actually make a true impact versus just showing up to that country and giving people money or giving people shoes or stuff um, to try and make a difference. And then going back and saying, Hey, we went over here and we did this and you know, we're, we're better because of that. That's what, that's kind of where I was getting with all of this. So like, you know, circling back to, to what I'm working on. Um, I really didn't want to just create a fake solution. I really want to solve this problem. You know what I mean? And it's a problem that I've experienced. It's a problem that I've talked to. I know know so many people who have as well. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just like looking at, I don't think, I don't think we're actually live. I'm not, I'm not sure. It says waiting for Ethan Shapiro. I think I might've had to click like start or something, but I mean, we still got, we still got the whole thing. Oh no, it's still got it. We still got it. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to look. Am I like, yeah. Whatever it's it's the first the first one, stream. All right, wh- whatever, Jesus. Um. So. Yeah, it is so important, honestly. Like, it it seems like there's multi it's a, it's a multifaceted problem which means it requires a multifaceted solution and this is just one of the steps i mean we like you said we used to have institutions like i know people have seen like one one flew over the the cuckoo's nest and we have school shooters and we have pedophiles apparently there's a lot going on in that thing underground so i've heard and it just seems like yeah, like we need to give people a chance to talk and we need to document it and compile data and study it. And I love what you're doing, man. I hope it it gets way further and you have a million affiliates and you guys all get together and, and just for good, just to try and help people. And this is, it's, this is heavy. You know, it's not just you out there. There's so many other people who want to help with something like this and, the fact of the matter is it hasn't, it hasn't been done well yet. If we've got 44,000 suicides and three average shootings, mass shootings a year, I mean, there's always going to be these crazy people. And then we can obviously get into the whole debate over guns. But at, at, at our core, just 
not everyone's going to take it, but if we could slice these numbers in half, just by Mm. not giving resources to these people that to, to, to make them feel like they have a place and it's whatever they want and their mind, their mind's the only thing limiting them from having a place. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things, um, again, another social entrepreneur term, it's uh, what we would call a wicked problem, which means that no matter how hard, I've heard how hard you try to solve this problem, um, it's never going to be fully solved. It's never going to fully go away and you have to accept that. I remember this uh, because this, this problem is, it's always going to develop. It's going to change over time. Um, There's going to be new things. I mean, like think of where we are right now. Think of, of social distancing and quarantining um, re- had a really terrible negative effect on people's mental health. So even if the answer came out, you know, a year ago to, to solve everybody's mental health struggles, boom, you have something like this happen and how do you adjust? How do you adapt? Um, that's really what the, the root of a wicked problem is. I don't know the answer, man, but it seems like you're, you're going to keep going and you're going to do it. Yeah. You're going to find, you're going to find a, a way because there's always unlimited answers. Um, yep. and, and it doesn't matter. This one. I mean, it doesn't matter what, you know, problem cool. you're solving, whether it's a, whether it's a social problem or whether you're, you know, um, whether you're a company like Apple, I mean, they solve problems, but they do it in a way, you know, I always like to say customer discovery never ends. It's the first thing you do. It's the second thing, third thing, fourth thing, fifth thing, all the way to the end. It doesn't matter what stage you are as a company. If you're not listening to your customers and doing what they tell you to do, then you're losing. And that's why these, that's why huge companies go bankrupt is mm-hmm. because they, they either stray too far away from their core and they start doing stuff that really wasn't what they were meant to be doing in the first place. Um, and they tank because they, you know, have all these expenses and something happens like, coronavirus, for example, yeah. and they can't cover their costs now. Um, or, you know, companies that have something that eventually, um, you know, changes and advances. Um, the technology becomes outdated and they couldn't keep up with the curve uh, because they're not talking to their customers. Can they're you putting that experience? Go ahead. They're not putting the customer experience. I mean, it's always, it always comes first. Can you run me through what your day-to-day looks like now in regards to what you're doing with the business? Day-to-day, um, so I wake up uh, anywhere between like 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Um, try to start working by 8. Um, and I mean, it's really kind of chaotic at this stage, but essentially... Um, you know, I just have various stuff that I need to get done. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. There's literally a button that says go live and I didn't click it. So if I click it now, I guess it'll start at the beginning. So (laughs) we're at, we're at one, one hour and 55 minutes. So whatever, if I hit go live, what is it going to go right to, to us? Oh God, it goes to right now. No kidding. All right, cool. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep the we're gonna keep the recording and post that. All right. So that's the yeah. Way. That's fine. 
It says yeah, live. No, it is fine. Corners. It is fine. Like I said, the conversation will, will never have disappeared. I, I want it to go live. I will never make this mistake again. There's a button. Press called it, go live. It says live in the corner. On my yeah, screen. so the Zoom is live. It's streaming it to YouTube, but I didn't hit live on YouTube. I had it set up, but gotcha. I didn't hit the live gotcha. button. So there's no, there's no way to go live, which is okay. But you know, like I said, Cut me some slack for my first episode. I've still got the audio file and I've got the Amen. video file. Yeah, I'll, it's I'll all post good. This we, got, up. we got a lot of great stuff, but um, I actually have to wrap up soon. Very good. I got my my uh, got a team huddle and they're waiting for me. I got you. Um, well, but cool. man, this this listen, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I love I love talking about this stuff. You know, just entrepreneurship in general, um, mental health. Love talking about it. Love to talk more about climate change real estate, mm -hmm. all this stuff. I mean, I'm just really passionate about being in the Making business of, of solving yeah. problems. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what entrepreneurs are. And, um, I truly believe that if you're solving a problem out there, then, you know, consider yourself an entrepreneur to some degree. Um, so I'm really passionate about this stuff. I'd love to come back. I'd love to check out your studio, make a cool. trip out to uh, Colorado when I get a chance. I know you um, will, man. And, you know, pick up where we left off. And, um, yeah, just really happy to be here. And thank you for having me. Well, thank Is that your team calling you? Yeah. That's, um, Give me one second. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on here and talking about something. It's very interesting. It's a lot, a lot of details, very, very intense stuff, very hard to wrap your head around for someone who doesn't know anything about it. But when we, when you allow me to understand, which is what talking does, we can talk it out. And I'm sure that every time you talk about it, you'll get better. I'm in, in, inspired by it because the, the, um, the motivation is purely positive. It comes from a place where you found something in someone that you want that helped you exponentially and you now want to share it with everyone and you want to dedicate your life, what you do every day to that. And you're about to get on this call with your team and we're going to not mess up the live stream next time and we're going to post this and it'll be cool but yeah we're gonna you. keep grinding and we're gonna keep grinding both of us thank you so much darian for coming on here and doing this of course something had to mess up on the first episode the live i tried all the things That's, but it's whatever no it's no. no big deal at all because we we did it it went it went well it's cool to hear your perspective i think a hundred percent you're going to be coming back on here to talk more about the progress of what's going on and we'll, we'll hopefully me and you can be better uh informed as far as statistics and stuff to not to be throwing up on Google every five minutes, but we might, we very well may. I mean, we have can to. use Google. <laughs> Why not? Well, Ecosia, Ecosia is what we want. Anyways, thank you everyone for not tuning in. I hope you're, you're watching this now. This has been changing the climate with Darian Elmendorf and it has been an absolute pleasure. If you are looking to buy or sell real estate in Boulder, Colorado, you know who the guy to use is. So I will be, I will be uh, looking forward to a future podcast. Thank you very much, Darian. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. My Peace pleasure, out, man. My pleasure. Take care, everyone. And stay, uh, stay positive. There's people out there looking to help. There always are. You're not alone. Thank you not all. Alone. Look out for yourself. All right. So we're going to go ahead and end the meeting or end the recording. I guess we'll end the meeting. 2012, everybody.